now plugged in to the Delphi Podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Delphi Podcast. I'm Tom Shaughnessy, and I help lead Delphi Ventures, as well as host some of the most in-the-weeds and thought-provoking guests across crypto, spanning layer ones to DeFi, NFTs, and beyond. The goal is to have fun, but also to dive deep and offer foundational episodes on projects and founders. Also, check out our research on Delphi Digital or miss out on the most compelling research there is. It's up to you. As a reminder, nothing said on this podcast is a solicitation to buy or sell any security or token or to make any financial decisions. Delphi Ventures may hold tokens mentioned, so check out our transparency page in the show notes for more info. With that, let's dive in. See you guys on the other side. Welcome back to the Delphi Podcast. This episode is part of our Web3 series, where we've invited some of the top minds building and thinking about the space to better understand what is Web3 all about. My name is Rob Saro, and I'm and on this episode, I'm pleased to be joined by Robert and Rekha of Agora, and most notably, Guilds. Welcome, everyone. Hey, hey guys. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so I think like the best place to kind of start off is like before jumping into everything Web3, would love for both of you to kind of tell me about yourselves, how you fell down the crypto rabbit hole, and then uh, what led you guys to start Agora. I'm originally a veterinarian, which has nothing to do with this space, but that kind of allowed me to explore more territories because it, it is a you know, pretty broad category, so I kind of started doing digital marketing and social media for a little bit. But I got into the Ethereum ecosystem in 2016 when I was volunteering in Sweden at a meditation retreat place and the host that I was staying with was fully into crypto back then. And he introduced me to it. Since then I've been following along, investing and everything. But I only find, found out and realized that crypto is not just DeFi, but it's more social and you know, DAOs and everything in 2020 winter. We started working together last year, January, so in 2021. And uh, yeah, we co-founded Agora and then Guild last year. And yeah, go on with your introduction. Yeah, I'm, I'm Rob, I'm a nerd. I, I got into programming when I was just six. And that's because my father co-founded one of the first Hungarian internet provider companies. And because of this, I basically grew up on the internet. And uh, I discovered Bitcoin fairly early, uh, but only joined the space in 2013 as a Dogecoin supporter. I just found it hilarious and I uh, wanted to invest all my savings from Threadfee to Dogecoin immediately. And it turned out to be a good, it, it was a good investment, but eventually I, I lost uh, almost all my <laughs> investments uh, during the next year in 2014. Uh, it was a really shit show, uh, but then Later on, we started a, started a family office and also a family software firm. Uh, I run the family office and my little brother run the software firm. Uh, and, and basically, the two companies grew out from just being a small uh, firm to a 20 plus people operation. And uh, we invest in early stage companies, but then I always wanted to get back to building. And uh, because my main passion in the space has always been the DAO, DAO space, and that's what attracted me to Ethereum at the first space when the DAO hack happened. That was the uh, the point when I decided to fully dive deep into Ethereum because it just looks so it's so interesting, and uh, essentially it was a disappointment because most of these DAO related companies uh, didn't de- deliver what they promised, and and I wanted to 
do something uh, else, something uh, from another perspective. And we started out, started building out uh, DAO tooling, DAO tools, uh, uh, which are more focused on the user experience. And uh, these tools are mostly off-chain. So basically leave where the users are and uh, doesn't require basically complicated uh, stuff from the early users, from the beginner, beginner users all the time. Now, one, one thing I want to like uh, kind of jump into, I noticed like if you go to Agora's like Twitter page, it'll show that it's a studio DAO and like, kind of what you just described was essentially like, oh, we're going to be building these different products here and there. What was kind of like the choices for that? And I guess to kind of make a step into guilds, um, what is, uh, I guess, like guilds itself? What is Agora um, to kind of hit on uh, that point right now? So initially, I think, you know, jumping off of what Robert just touched on is that the full Agora vision back last year was coming out of this uh, pain point that the frameworks didn't really satisfy. And we saw how the communities don't really like operating within platforms and being, you know, logged into walled gardens in that sense. And so the first Agora vision was definitely that we wanted to uh, build tools and this very independent, very interoperable set of toolkits that are supporting founders to allow anybody to create and handle and scale their communities in a very modular and free way that suits their community. So, you know, giving back this actual sovereignty to the communities that, you know, Web3 offers um, in its vision and mission, we wanted to be fully aligned with that because that's what we believe in as well. And so that's where we started. And the whole Agora vision was a little too much at the same time. So we wanted to do a lot of things at the same time. So last year we kind of struggled with our vision with Agora. And coming out of that, we, we went to Paris last year to E64 and we started talking to a lot of people and got a lot of useful feedback and then continued to, you know, jump around uh, our idea with or jump it off of people. And in August, when the loot project, this NFT project was kind of hyped, we kind of found our holy grail or the core or MVP for Agora, which was Guild XYZ, which is the very first tool and very simple, very easy to understand tool, which is basically at first it was just to spring up these party chats for people who share similar blockchain assets with specific, very specific blockchain assets. So NFTs based on trades. So like only crypto punks with cigarettes in their mouths, that, that type of specificity. Uh, specificity. And that was the core idea. And we pushed it out into the open in early September. The guys built it here in like nine days once we had the idea of what we wanted to look like. And obviously we had the base of it for Agora already. We just had to specify it and make it more clear with a cool UX. And yeah. But before Guild, we more like wanted to build an integration layer between the tools that we found very useful because we saw an emerging new class of off-chain uh, DAO-related tools like uh, uh, Sourcecred, uh, Collabland, and, uh, and many snapshot, uh, the Gnosis, and not just off-chain, but uh, still essential tools uh, 
uh, like the Gnosis Multisig, but all of these tools were very separated. And initially, we wanted to build like an integration layer between the possible tools uh, with a swap in, swap out. So essentially, if you want to use this Multisig instead of this Multisig, you can do that and still connect all of these together and, and provide a more, uh, uh, a more full-featured experience. But then we realized that these tools are not just scattered, but also quite closed in their own ecosystem. So we decided to start building our own uh, tools that are very simple, builds on very simple fundamentals. And also these tools are more like a sandbox type of uh, uh, products, not, uh, not a framework type of products. And, and that's where we started with Guild. We wanted to create a tool that's, that, that is very uh, uh, modular, that is capable to do uh, things that we, we, we didn't uh, imagine even. No, I was actually going to touch upon something that you said a little bit earlier when it came to like kind of the freedom of Web3 and what you're describing now is essentially like giving users and giving the community the ability to kind of like build out with the modular, for, or for lack of a better word, framework that you guys built. <laughs> so um, was just wanted to kind of circle that into like, how are you guys viewing Web3? Um, and would love to kind of then circle back on that point that you just uh, were about to mention, Rekha. So we fully saw, like we, we are very much aligned with what Web3 initially wanted, which is very, you know, decentralized, very revolutionary socially and on the infrastructure section. And permissionless, that's, and that's permissionless. very, very important. Yeah. And so that's, you know, precisely what we're going for. Uh, we have to say that it's not possible or probably not very functional to do everything at the same time. So now we're focusing on building out the toolkit that will allow us to be way more horizontal and way more innovative on the social side of things as well. But we definitely have it in mind to be very easy to use, very accessible, as cheap as possible, and permissionless for our users. And that's kind of what our like monetary or like uh, how do you say that? Like the financial side of the tools and everything. So Guild is fully free for the users. We want to keep it that way, um, and that is also like the core idea behind our tools is what you said to be permissionless and easy to use and easy to access and very modular for each community to fit themselves kind of. And also Reka mentioned the loot project that it, ins that it inspired us a lot because uh, initially kind of built guild for, for the loot communities, communities around loot and we built it in the same philosophy to give it to the community, make something very simple, something, uh, um, uh, yeah, I mean, stupid simple and, and without any uh, unnecessary stuff and just let them do whatever they want to do with it. And then we immediately transferred, I mean, yeah, gave the opportunity to the community to control the development process. And that's still the core of the, of the, the of, of the, whole uh, guild idea that it, it started out as a very simple tool that does only one thing and the community uh, co controls the direction of the new features and the new integrations and all this stuff yeah because back on the on the point so we put it out in the open in september and since then we've talked to thousands of people in dms and 
we've built our own community of mostly founders or soon to be founders in the space and and it's been a very interesting ride to build with together with the community and make the whole like evolution of our tool out in the open now we have our now we're out of alpha phase as well and we also have our public roadmap that is managed by fully the community so anybody can come submit a feature request or an integration upload it so it's more you know higher up on the priority list and this way they have a like we have more of a possibility to be less in just our own little circles of influence and go what we think is right and have the ability to listen to more people from our community even if we don't have the capacity to talk to one-on-one -on -one with everybody anymore we still have like an open conversation portal with them well, it's amazing i remember like speaking to you guys back in september when Loop came out understanding kind of like oh this makes so much sense to onboard these various communities in such a simple way and you were one of probably the first teams to actually be thinking about the human component when it comes to these communities, where I feel like a lot of teams working with DAOs or just working from the tooling space, they're more or less like solving or looking back towards like Web2 to understand like, okay, this occurred in this uh, kind of time period, this technological period, how do we bring this to Web3? And what does that exactly look like? And just kind of building it versus kind of working with the communities, understanding certain pain points and what you can really like strip down and understand from like a uh, crypto perspective, what can be built here. So I, I feel like, you guys also focus specifically on like that first impression and that easy onboarding process. So kind of what went into the decision-making for uh, Guilds itself to make it as like really simple as possible to get people to be onboarded and yeah. It's just answering the first part because actually I think it's very funny because in our case, it almost works the, the opposite way that we recognizes very important stuff in Web3. And then now we are thinking about how can we implement it in Web2 and then give it to uh, more, more communities and onboard more communities from Web2 with, with these new uh, opportunities and new features, new kind of features. So yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, and it's only possible this way when we, we always look at what's possible and not what, what, what are the problems or what can we do again, what others did in Web2 or, or yeah, in the history. So what was the second part? Yeah, the second part was why we, why did we decide to, to keep it as simple as, oh, yeah. um, uh, yeah, uh, I think I, I touched that uh, already. It's basically a philosophical. It was initially like a philosophical thing, uh, but it was also came from from our frustration with the existing ecosystem uh, and our personal experiences with with some of the tools and not just in web free with software in general. I grew up in a family where uh, basically open source software using Linux was the norm and still the norm. So uh, we always uh, uh, mastered our products and not the other way. It was very important. It's very important for my family to, uh, yeah, basically to be the master of, of, of the software and, and don't let the software control, control us or, or steal our data and, and other stuff. So. Uh, yeah, it, it was very, uh, it, was an, it was an easy choice for me. <laughs> no, it sounds it. And that kind of brings me to my, my next question is like, what are some of the things that you can do with Agora, with guilds in Web3 that like Web2 companies just can't even do? 
Um, and it was interesting how you mentioned before is where like you've understood like what can be possible or kind of what is the creativity aspect you can bring in Web3 and how do you bring it backwards towards Web2, which is a lot different than a lot uh, many people are thinking about in the space. Uh, yeah, so we are th thinking about uh, access control and now membership management a lot uh, because all the DAO space makes it possible to uh, for association of people to work, to come together and work together in a fully revolutionary way. And we are still experimenting as a collective on, on the social front. How does that work? Because uh, the human nature still requires a lot of trust, but we are using, we started using uh, uh, a technology that, that's trustless. And uh, some of, I mean, uh, that, uh, that could cheat us uh, in a way that uh, some people think that we can just rely on the technology purely, but that's that's clearly not true. We saw it uh, with, with big hacks like code is not low. So this is this is a constant uh, 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 argument in, in the web free space. And uh, I think the human component is not uh, there yet, where, where our technology is at the moment. So. It's very important to build stuff that's, that's uh, easy to adopt uh, and, and easy to accept for uh, non-technical people and non-believers of the crypto space. And, uh, but still, on the other hand, there are certain things that just make, make the internet and like the login, experiment, login experience so simple. Uh, probably everyone knows this in, in Web3, but essentially logging in with Ethereum is just the simplest thing possible on, on the internet right now. And that's, for example, something that we really want to bring back to, to Web2 as well. And not just logging in, but also uh, creating like an authorization layer uh, and, and the hierarchies uh, behind the scenes uh, based on on-chain parameters to back to products. And I think that that's a great uh, opportunity here. What I think, if I can add here, is that what we have in back to with like G Suite, so like Google, that you can log in with your email address, with your Gmail account anywhere. We are adding that layer. So we're building out this full infrastructure to bridge a community and the membership structure across web3 platforms and web2 platforms as well so having this element of your email address login or that possibility and adding on top of that all the things that web3 has to offer like ownership this incredible layout of communities of made up of uh, a lot of trustless stuff but also like way more trusted stuff if that makes sense so like on the financial side and on the voting side and governance side and ownership which is so much talked about but i think almost not enough still because us like basically owning a company owning everything together that our community is building is a crazy crazy advantage of web3 and we're like combining this with the web two, web two things, we're like trying to do that since we have the web three element. Now we're trying to connect it with more web two, so it is more familiar and even more accessible for everybody. But yeah, so like combining the the web three vision, the web three accessibility and ownership with the convenience of web two stuff is very exciting for us, and that is our aim to do this year, so that we have 
a base to grow from socially as well as Robert said that the social structures and the like hierarchies within the DAOs and how we work together is not quite there yet. We still have some some room to grow on the technical side and that's what we are trying to pioneer and you know drive and push further. Yeah, I agree with Reka that uh, the trustless ownership is basically the biggest advantage of, of this era, the whole web-free uh, technology stack that we can own uh, and own assets and, and own uh, tokens, NFTs already, but we still don't own our identity. We still don't own uh, a lot of our uh, uh, social data. And uh, essentially, yeah, that, that's what I wanted to touch on, that it's, it's just still a huge opportunity. Before we kind of jump over to kind of the social identity and everything else, I want to take a step back and just look at a high level view of we've mes mentioned essentially like treasury management and like multi-sigs with Gnosis safe. We mentioned like coordinate uh, source cred from like the contribution uh, layer. What is kind of like this full stack or what does the tech stack look like for a DAO? If I wanted to start something right now, like what are kind of those like high level components that you're looking to add? Because um, I know this is something that a lot of teams, DAOs, even just the curious are trying to figure out, there's so many tools in the space, like what what do I start with? What do I need in order to like get started? Yeah, so, Rekha, uh, do you want? I think that fully depends on what your community or your group is going to do. I think the most simplest version is to definitely have a comfortable chat where you can talk with each other. For a lot of communities, that is Discord for now and or Telegram. For, for certain other things. So have that established, a cool server where you guys are comfortable and can talk to each other freely. And then on top of that, you should definitely have some sort of cohesion that's give, giving more like community ownership, but without you having go through the process of launching a token or an NFT, because that could be kind of, you know, um, complicated and expensive sometimes. So I would definitely recommend um, getting, um, into pull-up maybe because that's free and it is something that people can collect in their addresses in their wallets and then have more um, community cohesion and something that you guys are doing together and has some blockchain aspect and for that i think later i would still like have some sort of access control or membership management like guild xyz and then also have some something where you guys are managing your community and what you guys are doing so maybe a notion or a clarity is really great for project management for web free communities and DAOs. i think what else yeah. uh, i just have a different opinion so <laughs> okay good <laughs> because from a technology I, I welcome it all <laughs> because from a technology perspective if we're really talking about uh, DAOs, then the entry level is just so high, uh, we essentially can say that most of these communities right now are DAOs that we have in the space. In my personal opinion, one of the, uh, I mean, one of the few DAOs is like the Ethereum ecosystem and the miners in, Ether in Ethereum, because essentially a DAO, what, what is a DAO? It should be decentralized. It, it should be autonomous and, and it should be an association of people. And that requires like a massive community to be, re, to be really decentralized and really autonomous. It's just so difficult to reach it, reach that point. I think most of these communities are heading to become a DAO one day, but uh, still 99% aren't DAOs at all. It, they, they are just 
a new wave of internet communities. The, I, I would call them modern communities on the internet, and that's perfectly fine in my opinion because the technology is iterating so fast. We we just can't, uh, yeah, comprehend so many new things and so many new. Uh, uh, sorry, how do you say Fogama? No. Oh shit. Okay, I, I, language barrier. <laughs> language barrier. Sorry. So. <laughs> Yeah, but if we if we call DAOs just the communities in Web3, uh, then again, from a technology perspective, uh, it could be like ju just a communication channel or it could be like just a fancy multi-sig or just a boring multi-sig or even some cryptography where you can sign and with some threshold encryption, you can uh, make decisions together. So it can, can be really primitive. Uh, or, or just very traditional, like creating a new chat room. But on the aspect of the stack, like the tools that you need to use, I think that changes like every three months since the, like the improvements and evolution of the DAO tooling space is really fast. So <laughs> you gotta keep up with the trend. Um, I just checked, like we were talking the other day about what projects do we want to integrate next or you know, first when we have our API out. In this next few weeks and I look through everybody that we talked with since September like I have an excel sheet of everybody that you know needs more contact or we want to talk to later a few of them are not even around anymore so you gotta really really be on the, like on your tippy toes to know everything that's going on in the DAO tooling space and I'm, I'm very curious to see what's gonna stick and stay around for another year or another few years and evolve with the communities that are here and their needs you you read my mind because the next thing i was going to go into is kind of like the stickiness of all these tools like i know a, a while back uh kind of posted like just a high level of where the tools located across a couple chains understanding like what is um available for like the knowledge management what's available from treasury management what framework can you even use what about token gating um, and there was over 250 and then another 70 individuals or projects reached out. And I think the list is growing and growing at this point. So do you see kind of like the space continuing to push experimentation or are you going to uh, see over time like some form of consolidation? And what do you think are kind of those like pivotal factors that lead to a consolidation if you go that route? I think it really depends on adoption uh, one way. But also I, I expect uh, a lot of these tools are going to just stop being developed at some point and uh, new tools are going to appear and I sadly expect that the new tools are going to be less uh, uh, decentralized and then probably will uh, uh, have more features uh, uh, glued together so basically more and more tools are becoming I think the tools are, are going to become more complex and more platform-like and, and more uh, yeah, more good for for different different things uh, but yeah one touching one more thing from the last question uh, the DAO definitely requires a lot a hell lot of people so it just doesn't work any other way if you if you don't have like hundreds of active participants it cannot become a DAO in any way uh, and that also uh, in I mean because of that uh, the tools and, and the tools used by the, by the DAO, uh, they are 
getting dropped out and new tools getting in because of with, with the community. When new community members join, they will start build or, or bring their own tools from elsewhere. And that's just uh, an organic way to for the communities to discover new and new opportunities and, and better tools and, and then uh, basically evolve their uh, cooperation. Uh, I think on the conservation and like experiment, experimentation and conservation um, factor, I think we're going to go in like cycles until we reach, so like more tools being um, experimentative and coming out super fast about different things and like very simple, I think kind of like what you did, like very one thing, I think a lot of the tools are going to come out like that way. I think we saw that during last season since like last autumn till like January maybe. And then I think we're going to get saturated with that, with the new things. And then the projects that didn't make it are going to like fall off and maybe come back later. And I think this is going to lead to being more platform oriented, what Robert said. I think people are going to have the need after trying all these tools and like using 20 something or like, I don't know, five to 10 tools to manage their communities, they're going to be more favored towards platforms again and then get sick of platforms because of being logged in and then the experimentative tools are going to come back again and i think we're going to do this cycle in a little bit changed way until we reach the point where the technology of platforms or the technology is as decentralized as we want it to be and as modular as we want it to be and until then i think communities are going to keep experimenting and then going back to the safe things i think that's going to be like a cycle until we reach that point for the social and the technical uh, advantages to match each other. I, I remember how big of a disappointment was it for me as a child when, when I realized that people aren't using uh, Linux because they don't know about it, but because they, they don't want to take the effort to learn the Unix uh, commands and uh, learn hundreds of pages of documentation about uh, the system, the operating system. So they use Windows or That's now... That's so I, unrelatable, no. user experience about No, I think... So that was at age six, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it was more recently. Uh, for a long time, I really believed that people don't use Linux only because they don't know how, how awesome it is. Yeah, I, I have to. Uh, full, full confession here, I do not use Linux um, for some of the concerns that are some of the points that you raised. Um, I do like the kind of simplicity and I do kind of agree with like the platforming and unbundling and rebundling, just the classic cycle of like how like startup innovation. But I, I'll make an effort over this year to at least take a look into Linux <laughs> for you. <laughs> no promises in using it though. <laughs> yeah, I, I was saying this because uh, I think Guild, Guild is like a Unix command. It's a very simple tool. It's capable to do hundreds of different things already and, and, the, and the possibilities are extending. Uh, but I know that people are attracted to simple platforms that have everything that they need immediately. So I expect to move, move into that direction for Guild as well, if, if we want to stay relevant for, for the users. Speaking of like that community aspect, like how important is it for like DAOs, uh, the contributors to really, or I'd say like more of like the leadership level of a DAO to kind of focus on the community? What experiences are needed to be there to get like the most value out of a product, say like Guilds or any of the various tools that we've mentioned prior? 
Like, are there certain KPIs or like metrics that you're taking a look at in order to make sure like you guys are going on like that North Star path being like integrated across, uh, I'd say that access layer? So for now, I think we're so early stage at this that we are doing like freelance user experience research that we're talking with people still on one-on-one -on -one basis. Every few months we pick up conversation with people and get their feedbacks manually. We do have a UX researcher joining our emits, so that's gonna get a little better, I think, uh, and more, you know, faster for us. But I think it is very, very important, especially when you are a product growing a community around you to pay very close attention to what the community that grows around you is talking about and feels about your tool, because that is going to reflect, you know, how well your development is going and not just in your head it looks fine but your community actually enjoys using the tool and loves to show it and they are like your ambassadors because they love the product that's kind of the goal for the product to community pipeline i think it's if the other way around like if you have a community and you're forming a product within that community i think it's a little bit different but i think in that sense it is harder to stay on track because there's more it's less centralized in a way, which is good in some ways, but it offers a lot of difficulty in the operational side and the project management side and and making sure that their roadmap is clear for everybody and they stay on track with their roadmap. Yeah, I, I think just to kind of sum that up, it's obviously like listening to your community, building with them versus building something for them, which we touched upon a little bit earlier uh, in our conversation. Uh, and brings me to another aspect that I really want to address is like what pain points are keeping like DAOs, users, anyone from using guilds? And then, yeah, I think that's a good place to kind of kick off. I think some of the pain points could be what we found is that this is another tool they have to get accustomed to. And even though we have like very simple UX and we are developing our UX, like evolving it in a way that it even becomes even simpler, it is still something that people have to jump through to get on another platform and look what it does. And also we are not really good with communication. That is something that I know we have to um, get better at. And it's, you know, as being the non-typical co-founder, that's mostly my responsibility. But as Robert mentioned, the tool developed in a way that now it does like hundreds of combinations of things uh, that you can do and create this immense membership management layer for your whole community and we're not really communicating that well to people so i think discovering it is the biggest hurdle probably because discovering it and finding out all the things that you can do with it is probably their biggest um pain point probably and it's all our fault so we've got to get better at that I, I fully know that that's something that we have to improve uh, other than that, it's like very simple. So the technical side of it is super simple and that probably has no issues on that front. But the communications though. I think that kind of echoes like the broader ecosystem itself is when it comes down to like an education problem. Like the technology is there, at least from like the building blocks and the foundation that like yourselves and everyone else is kind of building in this space. But really understanding what you can do with these tools and what you can unlock, whether it comes to a certain engagement, what are you tracking, what are you able to kind of like foster when it comes to a community. Um, so I guess since you are the non-technical co-founder, like what kind of educational efforts are you thinking about uh, spearheading when it comes to Guild and just the broader uh, Web3 ecosystem? 
what I've seen the, you know, as coming from a little bit of social media background too, the rise of video content is also here in Web3. And now we have Loom that I just discovered a few weeks ago because a lot of the projects that we are discovering also use that. So we're doing uh, more video about, you know, just describing how you can do this, how you can do that, and what combinations you could use. And we are personalizing those. So we're pulling up like a full database of these videos to send out to specific communities if they have a question. So it is very like live help or live description. But also we're doing, I really loved how the ENS uh, token airdrop went. I don't know if you did that, but it was like a very clear walkthrough. You had to click through everything. So even if I didn't know, now I fully know what the governance is gonna look like, what my token does, how I can uh, put my governance onto somebody else and or my governance rights. And I love that. That was such cool UX. It takes some time. So we're definitely on the, on the, the process of developing a guide like that for Yield onto the website and everything. If people wanna, you know, get more information, they can they can click this through and it's gonna show them everything. Yeah, not not in a documentation that's important to say because our, yeah. our developers refuse to create a documentation to build <laughs> because they're saying we have to keep the product so simple that it doesn't require a documentation. So we can can start just the documentation thing. <laughs> That's a fantastic, like, uh, it's a North Star to keep going to make it so simple that nothing needs to ever be written down. And it's just so intuitive for like developers, users alike, communities just to quickly be onboarded. Um, I, I love that, actually. Like, I feel like that's like a great question that I'm going to start bringing into uh, a lot of pitch meetings. <laughs> Good for the future. So we, for the longest time, we had that in mind, that kind of UX aspect. But, you know, ever so often we get one or two questions about the UX and you know, some people that are not as Web3 native have more issues of getting onboarded. Um, so yeah, for them, we are creating videos, we're creating like documentation and also this click-through thing, which I'm, I think it's gonna help for, you know, different type of interactions if people prefer to see video or being talked to or just love reading something and use Control F to find exactly what they're looking for. Yeah, so this is kind of how we're approaching this also with our UX research person who's also a psychologist who's joining us that's going to be a very big help for us to to really see what we don't see from you know from a personal perspective what we see from a from a UX perspective that we're going to notice that are issues that are stopping people from using it or leaving them confused or seeing any any other pain points that come up that we don't know about completely agree and to shift gears a little bit more, um, I know you guys are kind of going after uh, essentially like that access layer and really like permission across like the web two, web three, any application that you're working with. Um, and that kind of brings us into like uh, understanding and thinking about like, what does a social graph look like? Obviously you have kind of the connections that you had in like Facebook, Twitter, and those respective circles that like grew once you had the news feed, it, you started seeing like more of like other people you follow, followers uh, send out tweets. How are you guys thinking about kind of the social graph you're creating and kind of this identity layer? It's like a new type of membership model. And uh, basically that's the only angle of it. Uh, we just collect a group of people and, and then groups in those groups. And, and so essentially DAOs, sub DAOs or intersections of DAOs. So uh, we are really uh, focusing on the uh, edges of, of these communities and uh, how they collide. 
Yes, would love to kind of, well, up to you guys if you want to dive into, uh, I'd say, the more privacy aspect, because that can open up a whole. Uh, yeah, that's, that's actually a very difficult question, because uh, uh, from day one, we wanted to build this private. So, uh, but, but obviously, for a lot of cases, it just doesn't make sense, for example, in a Discord server, uh, to, to run something like this in a fully private way, because uh, you cannot run uh, a Discord runner, so a Discord bot in a decentralized way currently. So then there is always going to be like a party that access uh, the connection between the Discord uh, handles and, and, and the addresses. So, uh, but still privacy, because uh, because essentially our our wallet addresses are becoming much more than just uh, simply financial wallet addresses. They are becoming our, our profiles in Web3 and how we connect with each other and where did we, I mean, yeah, our DAO profile, where did we enter, where did we leave, uh, where did we invest and a lot of, lot of stuff. And uh, I think a lot of people still uh, don't handle that uh, well in a way that uh, if you want privacy right now on Ethereum, still it's a it's a public blockchain. You can do that already if you create like a new wallet for all the different things. And we wanted to support this from the very beginning and already have like a multi-address support. And that way, essentially, you can use different wallets for different things. And when you are joining like a community, even though later on, uh, if we want to use it for like uh, any social uh, stuff or, or just the owner of the community want to export like the wallet addresses uh, obviously without the handles without the discord handles just the wallet addresses they can get their hands on all the other addresses that you have and that way you can reserve privacy for for a lot of cases but still join communities participate in whitelists even on twitter or, or just in discord and through guild um, so it's possible it's possible already to have privacy but most people just don't care about it and not just don't care about it in general but don't care about uh, their their profile that's building up on the blockchain so it's a difficult question and uh, we decided to address this with uh, uh, besides the multi-address support uh, with uh, like a new lineup of the product so there is going to be like a new version of guild it's already in development in the background mostly in design phase but still and essentially that that's going to make it possible to have not the 100 percent same functionality that, that guild xyz has but like 80 percent of the same functionality in a fully privacy reserving way supporting uh, secret network and other privacy reserving blockchains as well and uh, we yeah, can so, talk about the rest later. Yeah, we can talk about the rest. So, uh, what was the initial question? I was just uh, kind of hitting a little bit more on like social graphs itself, but I love kind of where this is going. So, continue with uh, everything. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, we don't really have like a follow feature, or we essentially we don't collect any data on the users, not even a username, or yes, essentially nothing. Just just the wallet address and pieces of your identity across uh, the web and now also talking about commercial APIs like that Discord has, Telegram has and later on GitHub, YouTube, Twitter because we are plugging in all these platforms to uh, verify uh, your actions on, on these platforms. I just wanted to like take a, another step back. 
What is missing from the current stack um, when it comes to the DAO tooling, um, even just Web3 space itself? Is there anything that you're like, wow, this is a blatant hole and needs to be built, um, whether it be the uh, SDK that can help kind of connect everything or um, just something that no one has thought of yet? A lot of stuff. Yeah. And, and from our perspective, the most important thing is portability. So that communities don't stick onto some, some specific thing, but yeah. they can move towards so yeah. So when you create a community and build that community and try to scale it so that you wouldn't be stuck on one platform or one tool anymore, that is very much missing from the space for now. And that is why we're focusing on this so much that you can take this community and port it anywhere with the same um, structure and same everything. That is gonna make life so much easier for people who are participating in this culture and this ecosystem and then also you know relating it back to more rough do stuff to make it even more simpler but yeah making it more web2 and really raises the question of how important is privacy because you know but i think that is a great thing to explore with what robert talked about about before and when we are like marrying web three things to web two things together that's gonna help on the privacy front but still have the ease of web two thing yeah i think interoperability is is one of the most important thing that we are missing and it's uh it's 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 a big pain point uh, especially because it should be possible already based on 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 chain data and and on the current infrastructure uh, but I just, I, as I see, a lot of builders aren't collaborating enough. There are like certain groups that share data between us and, and share through APIs, share any share of all sorts of metadata and stuff. But uh, in general, uh, the tools are still not collaborative, and th because of that, uh, the communities are are not portable. And even though. They all have their identity already on Ethereum. You just can't bring your community and, and your group of people to anywhere else other than where, where you started it. What is, I guess, the um, I guess the stopping point from a lot of these protocols from porting things over? Um, is it from a design choice on their side or is it from, I'd say, even just the communities or just they want to enhance kind of their internal systems first before really uh, making a lot of this uh, data public? Mm -hmm. Both. Both. Yeah. yeah. Definitely both. I know that's the easiest answer. But. And also, it's, I, I see a tendency that uh, everybody wants to build a new platform, a new stuff that others are going to build on top of. So they tend to create like their own uh, side chain or own dis distributed system instead of building the existing infrastructure or building in cooperation with others. And that just leads to these uh, scattered uh, many, many different tools with many, many different ideas. Uh, we have to accept that still the only decentralized thing is is just the Ethereum blockchain and uh, the data on the chain and and uh, some some scaling solutions and side chains. Uh, but uh, other than that, uh, basically everything is just a new experiment. 
completely agree. A lot of stuff is like siloed across so many different, um, not even just the chain level from the application level, uh, speaking with founders on like a daily occasion, like, oh, this is going to help us uh, for here. We're thinking about kind of like going open source or open sourcing a, a component of this later on, uh, maybe like several months down, potentially years. So just really getting everyone to agree to like, not even one data standard, just but like a, a couple would be helpful to move forward with in order to really like set the backbone of like some of these uh, primitives that we can build on top of to build that kind of like open Web3 permissionless future. Um, and then to kind of wrap some things up, I uh, just got like a few more questions. Uh, for guilds specifically, like what are you guys most excited for over the next six months? Ooh, um, so we have, with Guild, we are building it out with the Gora space and we have a bunch of other tools in the works and I'm the most excited about like connecting it all together to make them independent tools, have their own Twitter accounts and their communities and everything fully independent, but still like work together and like be this whole set of things that a founder might need and like they can use it as they would like to. I'm very curious and excited to see how that's going to be taken and how we might have to switch the idea or turn it around or refine it. I, you know, launching something is always very exciting and launching multiple things at the same time, I think is um, exponentially more exciting. So for me, that's definitely it. What is it for you? Uh, I can't tell if it's uh, even going to happen because it's still, we are still strategizing about this. Uh, but I'm getting very excited about the idea of pivoting from, in some ways, from Web3 web to Web2. And that's just a ridiculous, ridiculous and provocative uh, 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 sentence. But still, essentially, I see a lot of things uh, that we have in Web3 and would be very useful for, for a lot of non-tokenized, non-NFT using communities. And that way, I'm very excited to hook these communities and then later on incentivize them to start their tokens, start their NFTs, and essentially uh, onboard them to Web3 back. Because Guild is obviously always going to stay a Web3 product, so not just uh, like at this stage, but it's going to go much, much further. We have big plans about how, how can we uh, decentralized it. I mean, this, the the uh, the the technology from a technological perspective as well, not just socially. Uh, but the most exciting thing for me is is, is how can we uh, use it as a bridge for gaming communities, fashion communities, music communities, and all sorts of uh, huge communities in on the internet uh, to onboard them. And uh, it's, yeah. Sorry, this could also be a drinking game, this episode of the podcast. Drink every time you say community. <laughs> <laughs> I've been like keeping track of it. It's a lot. <laughs> but um, yeah, when, when it comes to uh, bringing these Web2 communities on board and with some of the aspects that you have in Web3, you mentioned kind of gaming, music. Uh, are there certain kind of like use cases that Guilds is looking at? You don't have to list them all because I know that could be a little bit inside, but like maybe one or two um, from that, like hooking and bringing them into Web3. Okay, I will say only one specific thing because I don't want to uncover too much. Really, it's, it's just very important for us now strategically. And it's also, it's not... 100% uh, that it's going to happen. But one example, uh, we can uh, uh, hook in, uh, I mean, integrate Steam in a way, Steam, the game platform, that uh, we can verify if a user owns 
uh, a game and active in a game and have certain achievements in a game. Or if it's even a privately hosted game, we can verify much, much more and essentially prove that uh, prove, prove those those uh, things about uh, a certain user uh, all around uh, the internet, basically the platforms that we integrate in, starting with Discord. So essentially, communities without even wallet addresses can use will will be able to use Guild. Uh, to verify a lot of things about their members in the community, and then build uh, and, and yeah, build their communities in social media as well. But it's also useful for combating spam, combating scammers, and a lot of other things. So it's it's really like a new membership model that's coming from Web3 and uh, using it for for gaming communities, for example. And and if you combine that with uh, uh, YouTube, for example, that we can check if you follow a YouTuber or pay for a follower, and yeah, maybe that's, that's a second, but this okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah, <laughs> the possibilities are really endless with with the membership yeah. management. Yeah. Yeah. We'll leave the breadcrumbs for the rest of the community to uh, and the listeners to figure out. But as you mentioned, the possibilities are pretty endless. What you can do when you're thinking about this credential system that can go over uh, from Web three and back into Web two. Um, without you spilling anything else, I'll keep uh, be mindful of that. I just wanted to kind of wrap up with a question. So, like on a scale of like one to ten uh, on adoption, like where are we? Uh, with Web3 right now? I, I hate these numbers numbers yeah. questions. <laughs> I like to joke with Ray about this all the time. <laughs> but, well, guess what? There, there's a follow-up yeah. question and I can't yeah. wait till you say a number, so. I think, you know, subjectively, my opinion, I think it's like three, four. <laughs> <That's true>. uh, <laughs> Would I you personally agree? think that uh, Web3 is, uh, is, is almost like just a uh, buzzword invented by venture capitalists. <laughs> so if we are talking about the buzzword and the adoption, wow. if, if it, it's, it's already out of 10, so probably 11, <laughs> because we already, the whole world adopted it already. Uh, but if we are thinking about uh, like the ownership economy and, and uh, everything related to blockchain, we are still pretty early and uh, maybe free. Yeah, when it comes to like adopting the uh, cryptographic principles, the ownership, and actually like having that kind of community-driven value versus kind of the Web two data siphoning value, I would agree we're kind of on that like three to four level. Um, but like, how do we end up kind of even just notching that up like to a five? And what does even a ten look like? Uh, is it something similar to what you described with like your YouTube, your Steam, where like all these Web two companies already have these credentials, so you can pull them back and forth? Mm. Uh, 10 is probably when ownership is fully pegged to your consciousness. So essentially, <laughs> when your seed phrase or whatever the con your connection with the ownership is, it only exists in your head or, or basically wherever your consciousness is. And I think that's, that's adoption 10. Okay, what I would say from a more, I think, grounded answer is that when your parents are using the type of technology that we are, as like pioneers are using today i think that's when it's like 10 or when they're like benefiting from it that's without five. being active users. <laughs> that's five or six <laughs> in my opinion <laughs> yeah if, if 10 is uh <laughs> consciousness <laughs> 
Like, that is fantastic. <laughs> I was not expecting that. I feel like we can have like a whole like several hours essentially just going deep into like from age six to now of how you're thinking about computers, networks, and all that. But it, in the essence of time, I do want to uh, uh, be conscious of all that and just leave you guys with any parting words. Um, here's your opportunity, like you've done over the past hour, shilling Agora, shilling um, guilds, and really understanding like what it means from like the community aspect, how to integrate certain tools. So is there anything else that you'd like to leave the listeners with? Uh, well, use us and give us feedback. That's like our most valuable thing at the moment. Yeah, just and reach also, out. Yeah, and also the, the tool, the API and the SDK is coming out as soon as can as we can and that's going to speed up integrations from our community side and from our side as well that's going to allow more of the centralized development which we're very excited about we just added a new authentication system so it cannot you know so it's secure and everything nobody can come and mess up the whole system just because they put in a new integration so yeah um, for the developers, that's more exciting, or the founders. Yeah, reach out to us. We are very open people, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we are going after uh, meritocratic <laughs> values. So if you can provide value, we will make everything to to help you in any ways. <laughs> You're so bold with this. Fantastic way to end this. And uh, thank you again, Rob and Rekha, for coming on of Agora. Everyone check out Guild. And if you need to reach out, reach out to either ourselves, them, as Robert mentioned, very approachable, um, always in the DMs and fantastic. Uh, but yeah, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Thank you. Um, thank until you. next time. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Delphi podcast. If you enjoyed it, please support the show by hitting subscribe on your podcast app, writing a review, or sharing this episode on Twitter or LinkedIn. Stay tuned for our next episode. Out soon.